You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three. Got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're here to bring you unique insights and stories from the BYU sports broadcasters who cover the Cougars and from the Cougars themselves. On this edition of Behind the Mic, we're turning the show over to Cougar basketball analyst Tyler Hawes and Kevin Doc Woods. Woods is an athletic mental health and sports performance specialist at Utah Valley University and a former Wolverine basketball player. The two sat down to discuss several different aspects of athletes' mental health, including how Doc transitioned from playing basketball to helping athletes become resilient. So throughout my career, as far as collegiate on, I've had seven surgeries. So the only healthy year I had was my freshman year. After that, uh, that summer, ACL, like it was every year I had a surgery or two. Um, And bouncing back from those was all mental, you know. Mm -hmm. Doctors like, oh, you're good to go. You know, PT, all right, you're ready. But if this isn't ready, you know, so I learned how this can heal itself quick, but this actually doesn't heal itself as Mm -hmm. quick as I thought um, because I was so timid coming Mm -hmm. back on the court about re-injury and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But what really shed light on me focusing on, like, going into mental health was really I appealed my last uh, half of the season um, 2012, that's why I was like, oh, I've been there forever, but 2012, yeah. and the NCAA forced me to see a therapist. Oh, interesting. It was like, he had too many surgeries, he has to see a therapist. Mm. Saw so a therapist, therapist was like, oh, I'm so unsure, like, this is more sports psych stuff, so they referred me to a sports psychologist. And the sports psychologist came up, you know, talked to me, and he was just like, your ability to bounce back from all these injuries and where you come from and all these things, he was like, if you can replicate yourself in other people, you will have a long career. Mm. <clears throat> I didn't understand it at the time. That's but, deep. Uh, you know, the more I looked into it, I was like, oh, I would love to do therapy because my degree was psychology. I would love to do therapy with athletes because I've done and suffered through so much stuff that I can hope to shed light on a lot of matters and help individuals kind of bounce back um, from like injuries or failed expectations, all those type of things, you know, that I kind of dealt with. So that's kind of what got me into the mental health side. Yeah. That's awesome. It sounds like a crazy journey, right? Oh yeah. Insane. Yeah. So, uh, and you're, you're not only working with basketball, you work with all sports at UVU. Yeah. All sports, um, golf, Soccers, uh, volleyball, baseball, you know, yeah. softball, all that stuff, um, as well as the non-traditional sports, yeah. you know. So the rodeo, esports, um, lacrosse, cheer, dance, even the mascot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of help out everywhere. Yeah. I, anyone needs me, type of thing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So I'm curious, like, do you see? I'm sure you see trends of you know people that are mentally strong, people that need some work in that area what I mean what what type of trends do you see in young athletes Um, I would say those risk takers the mental strong ones I say that um come from my programs whichever team like the best of the best who are usually holding awards or getting all whack or all American all those things they're risk takers you know um 
they're used to being uncomfortable. So they're mentally stronger than most because they failed more than most to bounce back and learn how to recover and all those things. So when they're out there performing, they actually give a little bit more and they can actually um, endure a lot more stress um, than your average person who's scared of like making mistakes, I don't want to turn the ball over and all these things. Um, So I would say, yeah, they're just positive risk takers for sure. Mm. Yeah, so... I mean, I can relate to that. You have to go through some, you have to play through the mistakes, right? You've oh, got yeah. to get that experience to where you're playing loose and playing free, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's hard to learn, right? Yeah. Especially if that's not your personality, right? Someone right. who's like a go-getter or, you know, taking chances. So the ability to learn that in however many sessions prior, you know, as a freshman or even a senior, right? Yeah. Um, Getting them to at least have the willingness to try some things usually can wake up, um, you know, like an awareness about myself or their self, I should say, where they can, like, take more risks, they can communicate more, they're just more outgoing, even outside of sports. But, yeah, it's—I see a lot of different trends. Mm -hmm. And the ones who aren't, say, mentally as strong, it's just a— a different perspective, right? Their perspective is, I don't want to fail, mm-hmm. right? No one wants to fail, yeah. but only those who have failed and bounced back understand the purpose of failure and how to learn from that, and then you can correct it and bounce back and become whatever it is that you're seeking to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you have to embrace failure. Failure is a part of winning, right? True, and true. You gotta, you gotta go through that. One thing that I notice... So like you, I got introduced to a sports psychologist early on in my college career, and nice. uh, I, I loved it. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like it, it took me to another level, and then I got back from my mission in 2012, and again, it, like, I met with Craig Manning, who was the head mm-hmm. sports psychologist here, and, yeah. and felt like I started learning tools that, and learning more about myself yeah. that helped me become more emotionally aware. And, and it, I don't know, it felt like it took my game to another level. What types of tools and principles and things do you, do you teach? Because I think there was a time when I thought, you know, some guys just have it, yeah. you know. But I, and I learned that these things can be trained, these things can be learned, there's oh, yeah. tools out there available. Like, tell me some of the things that you, you do in your, um. in your work. I got a lot of random things I throw at the kids. Um, One big one that I do with every team or individuals that come in is critique over criticism, right? When something happens, say a failed expectation, a turnover or whatever it is, mistake, I teach them to critique it rather than criticize it. Hmm. Most people go straight to critical, right? Turn the ball over and say, oh crap, coach is going to take me out. People just watch that. I'm embarrassed. And like, they go critical. It's normal. I think everyone does that. But when we do that, it comes with also with a emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So now if I'm like going critical, oh crap, I'm embarrassed, coach, team, everyone's looking at me. Now I feel the shame, I feel the guilt and yeah. all those things, which means I don't want that to happen again, which means I'm not going to give my best so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. But when we critique it, you can actually learn from that mistake, you know? So if I come down and I lose the ball and it goes out of bounds, it's like, huh, you know what? I'm standing straight up. I need to be 
I need to get down low yeah, and dribble yeah. the ball. You know, so you're able to critique it, learn from it, so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. But when we go critical, you actually start to get into this funk, right? Mm-hmm. And most of the kids that come to my office are like, you know, I haven't had a good game. I haven't had a hit in a long time. I'm like yeah. in a funk. And I'm like, well, you're not in a funk. You're in a critical state, you know? Yeah. You only see the critical side of your mistakes or your game, right? Yeah. Rather than critiquing why is this happening to me, you only look at the other side of, well, why did that happen to me? I shouldn't have happened to me. It's, it's a perfectionist mindset. Mm-hmm. So getting them out of the perfectionist mindset into more of a active learning process usually gets them more willing to make a mistake because they know they can learn from the mistake. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of my thing, critique over criticism. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that. Love yeah. that. It's self-talk, right? Oh, for sure. It, self-talk is everything, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how are some ways, I mean, if, if a kid comes in and you can tell right off he has terrible self-talk and the story that he's telling himself is bad, mm-hmm. how, how do you approach a situation like that? Um, one, teach them how to change the language, you know? Yeah. Um, there's power in words, yeah. which, you know, as you get older, we all start to learn there's power in words. Mm-hmm. So always tell them, like, all right, you just said you suck. How many times did you hear that, you know? Because you have to think about it first. Mm-hmm. You said it, and once you say it, you just heard it again. So it's three times effective hitting you mm-hmm. versus just, you know what? I don't suck. I just made a mistake because of poop, poop, poop. Mm-hmm. So teaching them how to change the language when things happen also holds that emotional state, you know? So self-talk is very powerful. You can make yourself feel like crap or you can make yourself feel awesome, you know? But in that moment, that's the decision you have to make. Mm -hmm. But also, that's the level of awareness you have to have. So building an individual's awareness usually gets them to that point where they can choose the right language in that moment rather than, like I said, going critical. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for me... A lot of times I, I would think I, I just have to be positive. I think that's a term that gets overused. Hey, just be positive, be positive. True. And life's not always positive. And there's True. tough things, right, that you have yeah. to go through. How, how much of it is um, just being real with yourself and, you know, trying to take emotion out of it? I mean, is that something you talk about, taking emotion out of it? Um, or is it embracing, embracing emotion? It's a... Uh... It's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. Um, I teach them, are we making emotional decisions, right? Because the outcome of emotional decisions is usually if I feel a certain way, I'm going to act a certain way, you know? So you take the emotion out of it and actually just look at it, you know, just use the brain. I always say, is it heart or is it a brain decision? Mm -hmm. So when they start to use the brain decision, which means looking at it logically from all perspectives rather than just their own feeling like a failure, Mm -hmm. um, they're usually compromising with themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I'm not <laughs> a failure or I'm not whatever it is. It's I'm making these little mistakes. But these mistakes can be, you know, gained far as like knowledge or experience and I can get better from these things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot that goes into it, but building perspective is everything. And once you build a perspective, that's along with like self-concept. Mm-hmm. So a person's self-concept is everything. Mm-hmm. Are they even aware of themselves? Yeah. Are they aware of their emotional state? Mm-hmm. Do they know where it comes from? One of the principles, going back to that, that I teach is like anger. So I always tell people like, hey, what do you think anger is? You know, I always ask them a question. What is anger? Oh, someone's mad. Someone's punching. Someone. I'm like, all right, that's what we see. So we put a label. We call that anger. But what is it? Mm-hmm. It's hard to answer, you know? Everyone's like, well, 
I don't know. It's well, it's either pain, hurt, shame, guilt, or uncomfortableness. Yeah. One or a combination of those is gonna make a person angry. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So if I make you very uncomfortable, yeah, you're gonna get angry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if I hit you, it hurts. You're gonna get angry mm-hmm. at me. You know. Um, someone important in your life leaves. That's a different pain. Mm-hmm. Spawns eventually, years, 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 and turns into anger. Mm-hmm. And you don't even notice it because it will come out in particular ways. So that's why I say building an individual's self-concept, their awareness. Um, usually they can get to the point of understanding how to react, mm-hmm. you know? Being able to identify, too, yes. the emotion, yes. what's happening. Yeah. And I try to, well, react versus response, right? Yeah. So I teach them to respond rather than react. React is emotional. Yeah. Responding to something, usually there's thought mm-hmm. <laughs> associated with it. So... Yeah, that's kind of my thing when it comes to like anger or thoughts. Um, naturally, we all react, you know, we all yeah, react. Yeah. Emotionally, we react quick, but if you can sit and think for a quick second, you know, you're able to respond. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a turnover, whether it's a strikeout, whatever it is, thinking in that process, like in that moment, you can respond adequately to hold your emotional state yeah. so now you can stay playing at a top-tier level. Yeah, instead yeah. of spiraling downward, instead right? Instead of spiraling down, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. which all athletes do at some it point in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Break time on Behind the Mic. When we come back, Doc Woods talks about how athletes can respond to tough times. Welcome back to Behind the Mic. Let's continue our conversation on athletes' mental health with Tyler Hawes and Kevin Doc Woods. Are there things you teach athletes to do being proactive? Like, you know, maybe they are, maybe they're playing really well. Like, are there things that they can be proactive to be ready to respond the right way? I'm big on mantras, you know? So it's like my mantra is Nike because Nike is what? Just do it. Just do it, yeah. right? So if I'm nervous before anything, I don't care if I'm at a conference, I got to present in front of thousands or mm-hmm. teams or, you know, I got a particular client, Olympian or something like that. You know, I get nervous. Everyone gets yeah. nervous. But at the end of the day, nervousness comes with a lot of self-doubt. You know, now I'm like, oh, crap, should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. Am I the one to even be talking? Mm-hmm. I mean, even this interview, who am I to be sitting here talking like this, you know? But then at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, Nike. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just do it. Because mm-hmm. once you hop in there, figure it out, you know? So getting people to get into that mindset off a mantra. So I usually create their mantra off something that's meaningful for them. You know, it could be a mascot, it could be a a name or whatever it is. So they know to utilize that in a moment of doubt. They can come back to that. Yes, it brings them, it's like a grounding technique almost. Mm -hmm. So that's something, um, certain things. So like if they mess up, instead of like getting ready to get frustrated and cuss themselves out or something like Mm -hmm. that, they have, you know, have them pinch themselves, which is like, especially my golfers. <laughs> brings them back to reality. Brings them back to the reality. present, right? Yes. So instead of like right before they, they pinch themselves, it's like, relax. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's little things I'll give them, but it depends on the person, you know, and the personality. Because not everyone's willing to do kind of anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are kind of some things I do to prepare them. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. there's a, bags of tools out there that anyone can use, but they have to be tailored to the individual. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Everybody's different. Everyone's going through something different, right? I feel like with a lot of athletes that I've talked to, they're either living too far in the future or in the past, right? Mm -hmm. And and the best athletes, best people in life, they are able to live like right here and now and in the present. And it's hard to do, right? Because everybody has demons, everyone has mistakes and things that 
they hold on to? Is it is it meditation? Is it journaling? Like, what what types um, of things do you yeah, recommend people I do, to do? A lot of that, like guided meditations. The journaling is very specific to whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. You know, so you know, most therapists, oh, go journal about your day or journal about your experience. All these things. Mm-hmm. I like to pinpoint like what happened, when did it happen, what triggered it, the emotional state you have. That way, we can eventually see a pattern. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I just did this with someone today, actually, and I looked at their journal. I was like, huh, why every Tuesday and Thursday you're just frustrated at 1 o'clock? What's before 1 o'clock? And she's like, oh, I got labs. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, so we can kind of pinpoint. Now, once I pinpoint, we can prepare Mm -hmm. before labs. Let's do Mm -hmm. these things to kind of ground you, keep you calm. Mm -hmm. That way you can go in there with less frustration or less doubt, Mm -hmm. you know, and actually successfully do something under a calm state yeah, rather than great. just like going crazy in there. So journaling's good. Meditation's great. Um, you know, the self-talk stuff is awesome. But ultimately, it's just understanding an individual's perspective towards an experience. Yeah. I think once you, like for me, I mirror that to them. And when they'll say something, it's like, mm, that kind of doesn't align with any of their core values, you know, or... Yeah. Things like that. So I kind of reflect it back to them and have them actually processing like, huh, that doesn't make sense. You know, Mm -hmm. getting them to that aha moment or self, you know, realization, that's ultimately like the goal, Mm -hmm. you know, because once a person has that, now they understand they're in full control of how they feel. Mm -hmm. I can feel like crap right now or, you know what, I can stay calm and feel like, you know what? A mistake is a mistake. Still the man, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So that's try to what I like, I try to do with the athletes. Try to keep them in a, in a, a state where nothing can kind of put them down, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But going back to how you say there's mentally tough ones and there's the other ones, yeah. it's, it's interesting because most of our top athletes are the ones that actually come in, you know. Mm-hmm. And I present this in front of every team in the beginning of the season because I do, like, all the drug and alcohol stuff. So I present— You're saying they come in to get help, so come in to mm-hmm. meet with you. Yeah, so I tell them, like—and it's just a basic training every team yeah. has to get. But yeah. during that, I tell them, like, why the people only on the podium or the All-Americans or the, they're the only ones that come in? Yeah. So they seek help. You yeah. see what I mean? They yeah. want to be better, and that's why they are usually the best is yeah. because they don't care. Yeah. You know, I'll They're see not the therapist. It all in. Yeah. yeah. And most people's like, I don't need to see the therapist. I, I just got to figure my game out, you mm-hmm. know, and then I can get better and all these things. So I try to normalize a lot of that with them um, mm-hmm. throughout the years. Just, hey, come in, just come talk to me. Just yeah. holler at me, you know. Or yeah. if I travel with a team, sitting on a plane, I might just talk to them for a little bit. But usually once I speak to them in a, you know, a casual way, stuff comes out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, oh, can I come see you? Because I'm dealing with. Yeah. So I try to normalize a lot of those things. Um, you know, there's big stigmas yeah. with mental health. Um, and I think the stigma stuff is kind of going away. Mm-hmm. I think the awareness, I think it works. It's you know, there, mental yeah. health awareness is actually out there. Mm-hmm. I think the other component missing is the acceptance part. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people accept that there are a lot of mental health, you know, issues and concerns, mm-hmm. whether it's sports, business, anything, you know. Yeah. The acceptance part, I think we're, we got to come to that point because the awareness is there, yeah. but everyone doesn't accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, being vulnerable enough to yes. open up and yes. realize that there's a problem and that they can get better at it, right? Yeah. 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 So, so, Doc, coming from where you're, you're, you're from, uh, 
Inglewood, Chicago. Would you ever picture yourself being at UVU, you know, meeting with all these athletes and doing the good that you're doing? And To be honest, no. Um, I, I was like everyone else where I come from. It's just go to the league, you know, yeah. go to the league. But once that first ACL hit, everything changes, you know. Never thought I would be here, but I think through my experiences, like coming from Chicago to, you know, Utah, where it's culturally, everything is just different, you know. So being able to adjust to that, um, I was 17 when I got here, so I was very young. Um, It was a lot of different things I had to handle, but everything in which I went through, suffered through, or whatever it is, I think prepare me for this, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So once I decided, you know what, let me retire from basketball and let me go to grad school, my main focus really was, you know what, I'm going to come back to UVU. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to become what I wish I would have had when I was here. Mm-hmm. So that's why what I do is just so meaningful. You know, it's very personal. No one really does what I do who is even a sports psych because I'm, it's like a concierge service, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm on call. I show up at workouts. I'm at practice. You know, I travel with each team. Yeah. You know, I, I try to make it as personal as possible with all the kids. And I don't care where we meet, you know. If it's a one-on-one with a golfer, come on, let's go golf, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to be what I wish I would have had. And it's just more even, you know, than the mental health stuff. It's someone who can give some career perspective, you know, because <clears throat> I had to overcome a lot of things. So I think my ability to share my personal experiences um, and disclose that in certain sessions Mm -hmm. actually gives motivation and help to a lot of the athletes because it's like, oh, crap, I didn't know you went through all that. I didn't know you came from, you know. you've been there. You've been through it all. Exactly. So when I tell them, hey, you can work on these things and you can excel, I think they kind of, like, take it serious because it comes from someone like me. Mm -hmm. um, And they know I've kind of been through the rut, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a level of respect that, I think I'm gained through my experiences that I went through, for sure. And you can relate to them. Yes, the relation is definitely that, you know. So seeing someone not too far out of college, but, you know, young, not really old and all that thing, it's it's just more relatable. But also I can speak their language, you know, whatever it is very well. So I can... I don't come off as a therapist, mm-hmm. you know. So, Doc, how have your experiences in the mental health field, the people you work with, uh, affected you in your work at home as, as a father <laughs> as to as your daughters? Father, it gives me a lot of perspective. It gives me a lot, which um, it makes me focus more on, like, my daughters, like, how I talk to them, you know, um, how I approach matters, how I encourage them. Mm-hmm. to fail, you know, and I know mm-hmm. they're getting ready, oh, yeah, she's going to fall off the couch, but I can't, let me not stop her. Yeah, yeah. She needs to, so seeing, like, the kids in college at UVU now, it makes me more intentional and deliberate with my girls at home, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I totally agree. I mean, uh, there's a lot of chaos at home, uh, <laughs> but being able to channel the energy in the right way, yeah. uh, I'm sure you have a lot of experience and can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I love my—and, you know, the teams know my girls. I bring them everywhere. If I do a workshop presentation, most of the time I try to have one of my daughters there. Um, Because I also want them to see, hey, it's okay to be in front of a lot of people. So I'm, like, kind of showing them— lead by example, yeah. Yes, lead by example. That way they don't grow up kind of, you know— shy or um, social anxiety or anything like that. It's like, hey, it's okay to be you and talk however you want to talk. It doesn't matter who's in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, very, I'm more intentional and deliberate, especially with the girls, you know? I, 
I never thought I was going to have girls, but once you have a girl, it changes you. You know, <laughs> you guys, any man, you have a daughter, it changes you. I mean, how many daughters do you have? So I have two. I have a five year old, Zion, and I have a one year old, uh, Jordan. Awesome. Yeah, so those are my girls. Um, we had an oldest son. Our, my firstborn was my uh, boy who I had in grad school. <laughs> um, but he had passed at like four and a half months with a rare disease that we just couldn't, you know, find out. But Dang. You learn a lot through loss, right? And that was like the day before I took my licensure exam. It was like Dang. the worst time possible. Yeah. Um, but that was just another situation that if I didn't survive all the injuries and coming back, I don't know if I could have survived that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great how every scenario, everything that has happened in my life, to this point, it does make me better in my role at UVU, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Doesn't make it any easier, but you know how to, how to how to handle it some yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of kids know my story, so when they deal with death and stuff, and then they come to me and talk, it's like, oh well, he's lost, you know, all these things. So yeah. they feel more comfortable talking about those things, and and I appreciate it as well because holding on to some of that stuff, you know, it's painful. It, oh, it's very painful. Yeah. But then that p- turns into anger quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so me being able to get through that was great, you know. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a spiritual component to, to all of this? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, mind, body, and soul. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I teach the athletes is your being. I always talk about being. I'm big, like, I'm big into Eastern, you know, all that stuff. That's why I love meditation. I love mindfulness and all mm-hmm. those things. And I use mindfulness in a way to build the spirit of the athlete, which is like, hey, have pride, have a certain sense of self, you know? Mm-hmm. So building that self, which I like to refer as like the spirit of the individual, being able to move and be you and be comfortable in the skin and the body you are, there's for sure a spiritual component to this. And it's reflected in the stories that I'm getting out of the individuals. And I'm able to use their stories and build their character, you know? And it doesn't matter how they identify as far as religious or spirituality, right? Because with... <laughs> In my program, we had to learn about probably like 50 religions. Yeah, um, yeah. So I love whoever comes in. I don't care what they are. They can come in, and then I can use what they grew up with to help guide them through our therapeutic process, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Is there an element of, of faith, too? I mean, I, I feel like with mental— in my mental health journey— so much of it is, has been about leaning into the unknown. And mm-hmm. there's an element of just, you got to have faith, put yes. in the work and believe that, you know, things are going to work out. And Oh, yeah. You know. got to have faith in yourself, you know. And that's, in the beginning, I talked about that positive risk taking, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of, that's just faith, technically, yeah. you know. Do you have enough faith in yourself to go and fail? Yeah, yeah. Do you have enough faith in yourself to actually succeed? Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny how... A lot of people are scared of success. You know, I got a lot of good athletes who are scared of succeeding because what happens if I succeed? Now that's the expectation now. Mm-hmm. And now if that's expected now of me, the pressure's, every, on. the pressure's on. But also, do you have faith? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just like me saying, Nike, let me just go out there and do it. Yeah. I have faith in myself that I don't care what the situation is, I'm gonna just jump in make it work and learn as I go. So I teach that concept when it like when it comes to faith, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, doc, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on all you're doing, doing a lot of good in the world. Thank you. Uh, I think mental health is something that affects everyone, right? Yeah. So, uh, great job. Keep up the good work and all you're doing, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah thank you. 
That's going to do it for Behind the Mic. Download all episodes from your favorite podcast provider or on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.